Welcome to Catholic Sports View, a look at the athletes and coaches who shape the Trinity League. Here we go. Exploring where athletics meets faith. Now, here's your host, Bob Gibson. Thank you again for tuning in to Catholic Sports View, brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Orange. I am your host, Bob Gibson. Thank you for joining us. Lots to get into this week in the Trinity League. Uh, volleyball, water polo, football, uh, as we continue to close out uh, the fall season. We began our basketball previews last week as we get into winter. We'll continue those and all the other winter sports as well in the coming weeks. So keep it right here on Catholic Sports View for your sport. If, uh, if basketball is your sport or any other ones in the in the winter season, we're going to talk to all the coaches and get uh, get the insight on uh, the great teams here in the Trinity League. So plenty of fall stuff to wrap up first before we get uh, further into the winter and all those basketball tournaments getting started uh, just this week. So uh, lots of basketball to come as well. But uh, let's take a look in uh, girls volleyball, first of all, the uh, state championships that are taking place. And we had three teams from the Trinity uh, that got a chance to play in the state tournament. And uh, two of those teams were upset, unfortunately, but the teams that upset them are actually going to play in the uh, semifinals uh, coming up here. So Jay Sarah, uh, who was the fifth seed in Division One, got upset by Palos Verdes. The um, You know, you could say it's maybe not upset. They were the fourth seed, uh, a very good squad. But nonetheless, when, when you have a, a Jay Sarah team uh, who lost to Modern Day and had played a Trinity League schedule, you'd maybe say that this was a bit of an upset. Anyway, Palos Verdes, the fourth seed, they advanced. And La Cunada, the 14th seed, now that is definitely uh, an upset. They took out Orange Lutheran, and it's Palos Verdes and La Cunada in the regionals. So Orange Lutheran, Jay Sarah out. So congratulations to them. They both had great seasons, but will not play any further in the state volleyball championship. Modern Day will, though. Uh, of course, uh, Modern Day has had little problem getting through to the uh, regional final, the state final coming up uh, just after this one, but they're one of the four teams left. Although Huntington Beach did take them to a deciding fifth set, uh, 3-2 there. But uh, Modern Day, who, who dropped the middle two sets, said, you know what, in this final one, 15-3. We're going to make sure uh, that Huntington Beach knows that we are the CIF champions and that uh, we're not going anywhere. So Modern Day will play Cathedral Catholic, the three seed, uh, Archbishop Midi and St. Francis from the northern part of the state, the other side of the bracket. So Modern Day still a chance to win a state championship here to add to their CIF championship. Now over to football and the opening round of the Division One championships, uh, dubbed by some the Trinity League <laughs> tournament, <laughs> um, certainly went uh, that way. We get two teams that advance to the semifinals. St. John Bosco uh, defeated San Clemente 35-10. to Orange Lutheran, though, lost their matchup with Corona Centennial. Centennial putting up 63 points on Olu. So 63-39 was the final there. Sierra Canyon uh, defeated Santa Margarita. Not a shocker there. Sierra Canyon uh, considered by some uh, to be every bit as good as Bosco or Modern Day this year, and they'll get their chance now in the semifinal. Uh, 37-20 was the final there. And Modern Day and Jay Sarah in that all-Trinity first-round game, no problem for the Monarchs. They make a big statement with a 38 to nothing shutout of the Lions in round one. So we get the round two matchup, the semifinals. St. John Bosco and Corona Centennial, that's a classic matchup. And then on the other side, Sierra Canyon 
modern day, that's the one everybody's going to be talking about. Can Sierra Canyon break through? Can they crack that stranglehold that modern day and Bosco have had on the Division One championship game for so long now? Uh, we'll see. And uh, certainly Centennial, with their 63 points in the, in that opening uh, game, certainly uh, has every right to think that they can beat Bosco. And don't forget, Bosco's got a loss this season. Modern day has it. So, you know, that has a loss. Uh, so there, there's cracks in the armor, maybe a little bit. That's what these teams are hoping for, that they can break through and take Bosco and Monterey out of this uh, tournament, which a lot of people have said for a long time now that this is just the annual modern day Bosco bowl uh, for the division one championship. Seem, certainly seems to be that way, but uh, a couple of teams now that think uh, they can make a difference and do something different here. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch and we'll see how it all turns out. In Division Two, look at this. We have a Trinity League team in the semifinal round. Servite uh, with a victory over Long Beach Poly in that second round matchup, 27 to 20. The Friars advance and will take on Sarah. Uh, the, the, the Cinderella season continues for the Friars. So much fun to see. Going to be a tough one. Sarah took out a good Los Alamitos team, 38-28. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to see if Servi can continue to ride this wave here in Division Two. Uh, good luck to all our Trinity teams in the football playoffs as we go along. So three teams still alive. And that takes us to our interview this week. Brett Ormsby, the head coach of the J. Sarah Water Polo Alliance. Well, when we talked to him several weeks ago, when we did our season preview before Water Polo, you know, we talked about how good this program was, how good they could be. Well, they proved it in the pool. An undefeated season. Man, what a great championship victory over Newport Harbor, defeating the Sailors for the third time this season. No easy task, that's for sure. Uh, the celebration definitely on in San Juan Capistrano on the J. Sarah campus. And we got a chance to catch up with Coach Ormsby uh, and, and talk about this special team. And still a little bit of work to be done. They still got a chance to win a regional championship as well. But they get every uh, chance to celebrate this CIA victory. They earned it. And uh, we got a chance to talk with Coach Ormsby. Well, 27 times they entered the pool this season. And 27 times they left the pool victorious. CIF champions, uh, as we talked about last week, congratulations. And we have the head coach, Brett Ormsby, on to uh, talk about this big victory. Coach, congratulations. What was going through your mind? Uh, what were you feeling when those last seconds were ticking off the clock there? Uh, yeah, thanks, Bob. Appreciate you uh, having me on. You know, it's as a coach, like it's even as I saw us start to extend our lead, you're always, you're always kind of nervous. So you're always kind of like waiting for those seconds to tick off, as you said. But we had, we had fortunately, you know, grown it to a pretty, pretty safe lead. I was actually able to kind of get all my guys out of the water, sub, get all the guys who hadn't played in the water. So it was kind of a neat experience where everybody got to play in CIF finals, which is rare. You know, you got 18 guys on the bench and they all touch the water. But also it was kind of cool to get like, you know, the guys who had been in there for the majority of the game and who had done the work to to win that game for us, to get Ryder and Will and Bodie and those guys out of the pool and give them a hug and get to watch those final seconds tick off together was was super cool. But it, it was hard to process the emotions because it was just it was it was a blur. The game, it all happened so fast in the yeah. sense of like the first half, we weren't playing particularly well and Newport I thought was playing great and you know got up on us and really stayed on stayed up on us throughout that. And then all of a sudden it just reversed. And when it reversed, I mean it was like floodgates open for us and we went seven two 
in that third quarter. So it was a really quick kind of transition. And it's like, whoa, hopping fast. You, you mentioned Newport got out quick. It's hard to beat a team three times, right? You've already beaten Newport twice. Uh, this season, we, we know what a rivalry this has become. We know, uh, you know, the sailors are the defending champions. It, it's, it's hard to beat a really good program that many times. Absolutely. I mean, and, and I mean, they have a, an absolutely phenomenal player in Peter Castillo too. Yeah. You know, anytime you play against a team that has a player of that caliber, uh, I mean, he has a really outsized effect on the game. Um, I think he gives his teammates a lot of confidence. He helps ensure that they get a good look at the cage literally every time down the pool. And then I thought they were really well prepared. They had put some wrinkles in that we hadn't seen, you know, and even, even watching the Harvard Westlake semifinal there is like they, they didn't really implement some of these things. So they kind of put some things in play just for the final there in regards to after goal plays, in regards to timeout plays. And so they caught us off guard on a couple of things. I think, I don't know if it's off guard is, is fair to say, but they opened up some opportunities for themselves that they weren't in previous games. They executed really well, but we had. The three times we played them, we had trailed in every game. Um, and in the first game, we trailed 6-2 at one point in the second quarter. In the second game, we trailed at least at some point during the first, and then obviously again trailed two days ago. So we weren't comfortable by any means being in that position, but we felt confident in our ability to have a really good second half, and we had been really good in the second half all year long too. Is that his sort of thing where you say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to take my seniors, you know, and, and you got a couple of really good, you've got a good group of seniors, but it was Ryder Dodd, Bodie Brinkmo who came through. Is it that th- those guys being able to take the team on their back and saying, Hey, we're, you know, don't worry guys. I, I got you. We're going to go win this thing. Yeah. I mean, I think for us, like we're a really talented team and I mm-hmm. thought. I thought we all did a good job all year in terms of our implementation of tactics, getting organized, like, you know, the coaching staff put put a lot of work in and did a really good job. And I'm fortunate to have a really great staff. And all those things mattered and are just like our sheer talent mattered. But at the end of the day, these kids just like really loved each other. I mean, it was a phenomenal group of kids. They're very tight. And I think that was the biggest difference, you know, in the second half. It's like, no way. Like the kids are talking to each other, like, no way we're losing this game. And they're fighting and competing for each other. And I'm seeing them kind of the way they're engaging with each other. And that was what kind of gave me some confidence there in that third quarter. Uh, you know, you played these games as an athlete. You know, you were a top water polo player yourself. Do, do you see it in their eyes, the, the kind of feeling you had when you played? You, you you can kind of see that in the in the eyes of the kids you're coaching now? Yeah, definitely, to a certain degree. I mean, I was I was quiet. I was a quiet kind of leader, but very confident, very steady in the way that I led and competed you know, and I, I see some of that and some of the guys and, you know, then there's some other guys that are maybe a little bit more fiery, or a little bit more vocal. Um, but it's a great blend on this group. I mean, to have someone with Ryder's personality next to someone with Will's personality and they just balance each other so well. So the leadership in the pool was just really great. Is that important to have that kind of, you know, yin and yang of, of you know, some guys will, will get in your face maybe and yell and other guys, hey, you follow follow my lead kind of guys. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends. Every team is going to be a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. For this group in particular, I definitely think, you know, both of those guys at times could lead independently, but there are some some gaps that they fill in for each other really well. You know, Ryder in particular, I think, um, is such a fiery competitor um, that his tendency is to like every little mistake, he's on it, you know, 
and I'm, I'm that way too. And so it's like the two of us together, that can be like a lot sometimes. And so that's where a guy like Will has a real calming presence and like, you know, all right, Hey, let's settle down. Let's analyze this like very kind of logical in the way he goes about thinking about things. And my assistant coach drew Clute is similar. And so for this particular team, I think the yin and the yang was, was necessary. You know, um, is it always, you know, I don't know. You may get at times two leaders that are very similar in temperament and it works, but for this group, the, the balance was essential. I think. There are times in a, when you're going through an undefeated season, we've seen that we've all seen teams that it kind of becomes a little bit of an anchor, you know, like, oh, we got to keep this thing going. And other teams really, it's a thing of pride. Hey, you know, we're, we're good. We're really going to keep this thing going. And, and that seemed to be this team. It didn't become an anchor that kind of cared with them. It was like, we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're the best team here and we're going to keep this thing going. I mean, that is that the personality of this team? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because it's just not something we talked about at mm-hmm. all. Like the undefeated season didn't come up like ever. And so it just, I obviously thought about it and, you know, there was sometimes losses can really help you from a coach's perspective. That's when you get the most focus from the team is when they've suffered a loss and it's pretty sobering. And it's like, it allows you to like kind of refocus and fix some areas. And we were able to manage it without, without that, you know, like the guys throughout the year were just really engaged and focused in what we were doing. And, um, so it just wasn't something that came up. Um, I do think there was confidence from the guys that like that they were the best each and every game and that they it, it was just kind of about going out and performing. You know, we had that one game against Newport sudden death um, victory, which in some ways kind of helped like almost serve as a loss because I don't think the guys felt like that was representative of how good they are. But at the end of the day, it was not an anchor. That was for sure. It was yeah. it was not an anchor. And when we got into the playoffs, I think the way things kind of were communicated is like, okay, it's great to be 24 and oh during the regular season, but really all we care about, we could, we could have been 12 and 12 and it wouldn't have mattered to the guys mm-hmm. about being three and oh in playoffs. Like we were hyper focused on a CIF Southern section finals. Um, and so that was the deal three and oh in the, in the playoffs. This is a team with, you mentioned a lot of talent, uh, upperclassmen, but, uh, you know, certainly a good number of, uh, you know, uh, lower classmen that are, are seeing all this happen. This really does something for a program, right? Um, when kids see the, the way it's done and, and the way you get to build into winning a championship. Yeah. No question. And, and we do have, um, you know, we had 18 guys on the bench and nine, nine of those guys were seniors. And of those nine, I think six played significant minutes and, uh, roles. Uh, a five, I, I guess five. Um, so, so we lose and, you know, and look, the top end there is like really, 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 really good. Right. Um, so you don't replace those guys, but certainly we have some great youth too. So nine guys on there that are underclassmen that'll be coming back and played, played significant roles. Yeah. I mean, what a opportunity for a guy like Taylor Bell, who's a junior to every day in practice, like line up alongside Ryder Dodd. And a lot of days we had, you know, other Olympians and national team players and former collegiate All-Americans that would come and, and, and play with us. And there's just this constant sharing of information, you know, from Ryder Dodd, from Chase Dodd, from Alex Obert, this wisdom and this expertise. And so it's not just coming from deck, but it's coming from in the water. And there's just so much to learn this year. And it was cool to have the young kids kind of take that all in. 
Um, additionally, to have them kind of experience what what a playoff prep looks like, um, and even those that weren't playing, like we had a few JV guys that didn't even suit up, but practice with us, get a chance to see kind of what what that takes. Yeah, and I mentioned your playing career, obviously, you know, well documented. We, we we've talked about it before, and, and what you accomplished as a player, winning championships. What does it feel like as a coach to win that ultimate goal? Yeah, it's a it's a different feeling for sure. sure. Um, you know, as a coach, you get a decent sense of just relief with it too. You know, like <laughs> I told my wife last night, we went out to like a nice family dinner. My parents were in town. They had a wedding anniversary. They were celebrating. So it was me and my siblings and my wife. Um, and then on the drive home, you know, it's kind of late at night. I'm tired and I'm like, you know, babe, it's so nice not to be going to bed stressing about are we going to have a good practice tomorrow morning? Because for literally every day, and we practice in the mornings at 6 a.m. So, and I live in San Diego. So I'm usually up at 4 a.m. And every day, Drew Clute and I, you know, we had the practice planned, you know, kind of down to the minute what we needed to do. So there's so much put into it. And then when it ends, it's just like there's a sense of relief with that. There's also, though, just, the joy of seeing others accomplish something that's so meaningful to them, you know, and that's, that that's maybe the best part is being able to like kind of step back and just watch the boys celebrate and how much joy they experience winning a championship together, the bond that it has for them. And so it is a different feeling, um, still very fulfilling, less I think about kind of me and more about others in a lot of ways and just being really happy for them. So, uh, season not over yet, you know, a, a championship and all that, but a chance to win another one, Southern California regionals. And of course, you're the top seed. You'll play Laguna Beach in the opening game. One more chance, I guess, to get this group together to do something else special, I guess, right? Yeah. You know, SoCal regional is an interesting thing where, you know, and I think most of the coaches feel, feel similarly that, you know, it's not a true state. Unfortunately, it's yeah, not a true right. state. And, um, yeah. Uh, addition to that, Southern section is clearly the the strongest of the California sections, you know, which is why the focus is really on this past Saturday night more than next Saturday. And I think that's the case for everybody. I mean, last year we were on the other side of that, having lost in CIF Southern section and having one regional and right. we didn't consider ourselves champions, you know, like Newport Harbor were the champions last year. At the same time, I tell the boys, like, look, if we're going to play three games, like we're going to try and win them. I mean, that's not even a question. We're going to try to win them. Uh, so we won't do anything like, oh, we're going to play the seniors to honor them on the way out, or we're going to play next year's group to prepare for next year. Like, we're going to play this year's group, give them an opportunity to play three more games together. Um, we're going to compete. We're not going to train and prep by any means the way we did for CIF Southern Section. We're going to try to have fun this week. It's going to be really light. But, yeah, we'll go out and go out and compete and try to try to play good water polo. I guess the chance to win two championships – 30 and 0 would be like that, just that perfect number, I guess, if, if it can happen, right? That would be a good way uh, to go out. But you're right. I think in every sport, I think that, that CIF championship is the one everybody really wants and you got it. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really a testament uh, to the program. And, but boy, the, the way of going through J. Sarah athletics right now is really something, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, and it's that's kind of and I, we we spoke about this last time. I think it's a testament to Chris Ledger, the yeah. athletic director. You know, Rich Meyer, the president, mm-hmm. um, and um, in particular, the coaches that Chris has hired. Um, and there's just this like 
professionalism over on that side that I see among the coaches and, and everyone's striving to really do excellent things. And so it's kind of fun to be a part of. Well, congratulations again, coach. Uh, we wish you luck in the regionals. Um, it'd be, it'd be a perfect thing to go out, uh, undefeated and win another championship, but you got the big one and, uh, you know, to get past the boys along our congratulations as well. Job well done. And we'll be, uh, we'll be ready to see what, uh, what this team can do again next season, try to defend that championship. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it, Bob. Thank you so much. Congratulations to everybody involved in the J. Sarah Water Polo Program. A well-deserved win. And as we mentioned, uh, three more games, if they can get to that point, uh, they could finish this thing out with a 30-0 and record and a couple of championships. And, uh, boy, what a what a cherry on top of the already pretty big Sunday they've made for themselves that would possibly be. Well, as we tell you each and every week, keep it right here. This is the podcast of record for anything that happens in the Trinity League right here. And, of course, we are brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Orange. I am Bob Gibson. Thanks again. We'll see you next week right here on Catholic Sports View, where athletics meets faith. Have a great week. You've been listening to Catholic Sports View, exploring where athletics meets faith, a production of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange in Southern California. Tell a friend about this podcast and be sure to share on your social media platforms. We'll catch up with you again next week right here on Catholic Sports View.